What happens when a preacher and a science teacher discuss today's world from a biblical perspective? You're about to find out. This is Beaker and Pulpit Podcast. Welcome to Coach's Corner with Coach Overmiller. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I haven't uh, coached in a few years here. So what? Did, so we didn't we didn't cover it. I just saw your paper there it says Coach Overmiller. Yes. So what did you coach? Um, I coached football, basketball, track. Uh, coached baseball a couple years. But, yeah. uh, varsity level stuff. Yeah. So what's the furthest you ever got? Like in a season, postseason, championship? Um, probably to regional finals. For what sport? Football. Football. Were yeah. you the head coach? No. So what did you coach on the football team? I was a defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator. Yeah. And you're a scientist. That's what they keep telling me. So were you focused on the science of football? Well, I, I think what it helped me do is be able to break it down into uh, smaller bite-sized pieces so All I right. can coach it to kids. So yeah. by, by being a scientist and learning how to break things down, I think that's what really helped me. All right. You know, so even just like in coaching basketball and teaching how to shoot right. ball, yeah. you know, breaking it down to, you know. Beef. You got to get that hand leg back. You get the, the thumb yep. into the eye oh. here, right? All right. Get the L going yep. so you can lift. And at the top, you're going to flick the wrist. Okay. And your eyes could either be um, on the front of the rim or the back of the rim. Right. Just whatever comes natural for, for the student yeah. uh, who's shooting. So it. when you're shooting a basketball, are you front of the rim or back of the I'm rim? A, I'm a front of the rim. I want to reach too. out and grab it. Okay. All right. You're you getting know? up there grabbing the rim. So my, my shooting acronym was BEEF. BEEF. Balance. I love BEEF, first of all. Right. I'm a meat eater. Balance, elbow, eyes, follow through. Yeah. Beef. Hmm, I never it heard it like that. but Well, somebody explained it to me because I was kind of dumb. But they knew I loved the meat group. So that's how they got my attention. I mean, that, that's hard for me to believe that, though. What, that I was dumb? Yeah, because I've only known you as being a very bright, Stop it. charming individual. <laughs> People are going to figure this out. Right. Yeah, they're, they're going to know that you're lying. They're, they're going to know. I'm, <laughs> hey, you know, he's actually right because <laughs> this guy can't. He is pretty so, over here. <laughs> it's the scientist and the not the scientist. And uh, and we're going to talk about Christian worldview. Yes. Right? And um, and you gave, you said you had a conversation with your son. Another kind of name for that or a way to think of it was what? Uh, biblical ethics. Biblical ethics. So. Yeah. Tell me what you, you know, this was kind of, this is kind of your, your brain child, your, your baby, the Christian worldview. What's, I guess, give us an idea of, you know, what precipitated you wanting to do this? Why are we getting into that discussion? Why is it important to have that discussion now? Well, that, that's pretty deep because there's a lot of questions there to answer. Why do you want to do this? Because through my years of experience, um, that I've noticed one of the biggest struggles with uh, Christians, and especially young kids, they're trying to figure out who they are as a Christian, who they are in Christ. And when they leave home, out from mom and daddy's uh, authority, if you will, they're covering, the statistics are out there. Over almost 80% of them 
don't go to church. They just drop out. So the, the folks that are raised in the church, once they leave home, 80% don't return to church? Correct. Okay. And what I believe that the, uh, the Holy Spirit has been talking to me is that they don't know who they are in Christ. When they go out there and say, oh, yeah, go out there and um, homosexual marriages are, are good. That's what they say in our culture. And so they start thinking, well, now they're battling between, well, when I went to church, they said that was bad, that was sin, but here you're saying it's good, and now they're, they're struggling trying to figure out who they are. Right. And so how are they supposed to look at issues similar to this? Um, and I want to encourage them to look at every situation in life through the lens of the scriptures, which is... Jesus is, is that word. So we're going to look at these, all these situations through Jesus. Okay. How would Jesus look at it? And, you know, we have people today will say, well, you know, you know, Jesus ate with sinners. Well, yeah, he did, but that doesn't mean he was getting drunk with them and, you know, telling dirty jokes with them or anything. No, right. he might have ate with them, but he was also living the lifestyle, the example of what it is to have peace Right. To have joy. So the idea here is is to understand your own, to kind of know why you believe what you believe. Yes. So that you can, as you enter the world, whether, you know, as a, a child becoming an adult or adults that face whatever pressures they face in the world on a regular basis, that that there is a solid foundation. Yes. So it's, it's interesting, and I know you've got some notes there, and, and we should probably get into that. Um, but I was just thinking about worldviews. I think everybody has a worldview, and I would imagine that, I don't want to say most or all or, you know, broad terms like that, but I think many people probably don't even consider what their worldview is, right? The, and, and when I say that, I, I, I'm thinking about um, the lens through which you see everything, Yes. Right. And so to me, biblical worldview is that you see, you know, the mundane activities of your day, the major events in your life, uh, all the triumphs, all the tragedies. You see that through the lens of Scripture kind of as your baseline. To me, that's very comforting. Uh, but I can imagine that for folks that haven't identified their worldview or maybe just have a, an amalgamation of all these different uh, influences, uh, it's hard to feel steady in uncertain times. And so to me, that's kind of the direction that I felt like, you know, we might go in this conversation is, you know, understanding what your worldview is, why you believe what you believe, you know, how that influences you on a daily basis. So with that, why don't you, uh, why don't you get into to your notes there and make, make us sound good? <laughs> well, if I will add something that you had said earlier, another reason why, my why for wanting to express uh, these thoughts and be, be able to get into here and explore the biblical worldview and wanna try to encourage people to live this because, um, you know, I said a lot of people f would fall away from Christ when they were younger, right? Yeah. Well, I can use myself as a prime example. I was uh, born and raised in the church. 
Every Sunday I was in church. Um, I accepted Jesus Christ. I was baptized. All those things, right? And I believed myself to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college. And then it's like, wow, I don't have mom there saying, get up, go to church or anything. And, and so I didn't. For the first about a year or two, when I was in college, I did not go to church. So does that, I mean, was, it, was that the, the major difference for you, just not attending church? Or was it a total lifestyle change? Well, it came, the lifestyle change came with it, too. Right. You know, ended up, you know, doing all the, you know, going to parties. Uh, I joined a fraternity, which, yeah, you could tell it was a social fraternity and all of the nonsense that went with that. And while I was doing all these things, I was not finding any peace. I wasn't finding joy. Temporary, yeah, okay, Saturday night, we're going out there, hey, we're going out to the lake, and we're having this big, you know, 15 keg party out here, and, uh, but when that was all said and done, it was like, man, that it? There was no joy, there was no peace, and I was at a loss. At the same time, I would still be praying every day. I would, at that night, I'd be saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins and give me a safe day and protect me and I love you and we'd go forth, but I wasn't living that like I was supposed to. And, and as the years progressed, I just felt like, God, I need to get back to you. I need a change in my life. This lifestyle here is just not cutting it for me because mm-hmm. I was not at peace. I did not have joy. I was not content. I was... I, w- I felt lost, right. but I knew I had Christ, and guess what? I started praying this way. So my last year or so in college, I started going back to church on a weekly basis, started fellowshipping with more Christians, but God opened the door with one of my best friends from college, or from, excuse me, from high school, said, hey, come down and visit me in college. He, he went to Oral Roberts. So I went down there, and wow. And just the presence of God just, just hit me down there. And I says, okay, I need a change. And God did. Once I graduated, he, he ended up I, getting into the Air Force, ended up in San Antonio, Texas. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't want to go to just, I mean, there's thousands of churches down here. I want to go to one that you want me to go to. And... We were, I would be driving down there in northeast San Antonio, and he just said, turn, turn my head, look, see this church. And I would see it. Okay, Lord, after about 10 times, okay, let me go. And so you drove past that church 10 times and then finally went? Yeah. Okay. And I went there, and I got my life straightened out. Yeah. And... I have the joy that I've been desperately seeking. I got the peace that I wanted, the contentment. Right. And I knew it was all in Christ, but I knew I had to change the lifestyle. I couldn't bel- I could not live the lie that Satan was delivering in my life. Yeah. You know, had to the scales that he started putting on my eyes were were being removed and I could see clearly. Yeah. The love of Christ. I could see what Christ has for me right. and 
not everyone's seeing that in their life. It sounds like, you know, in those early years in college for you, there was a great kind of build up and anticipation as you were looking forward to the lake and the 15 kegger mm -hmm. party and that, you know, that that would, those moments, right, the, the days leading up to it, the hours leading up to it, the drive out to the lake, the time mm -hmm. at the lake, you found a lot of happiness, maybe, for lack of Temporary. a better word, right? Yeah. But that when that was said and done, that there was an emptiness that followed. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you repeated that time and time again over two years, mm -hmm. um, hoping that the next time maybe you wouldn't feel empty. I'm imagining that you just felt more and more empty as you traveled that path. Oh, most definitely. Un until, you know, until you returned to your roots and to that church in San Antonio and, mm -hmm. and things came back together. And, and you know, it's interesting when we consider worldview, I think that, that that's probably a common theme for most of humanity. Yeah. Right? That you're looking for that thing to fill a void in your life. You're looking for that thing that will produce produce happiness, um, and and happiness is fleeting, right? Because yes. life is difficult. Um, we live we live in a world where, you know, at a moment's notice, despair can enter your life. Uh, whether that's kind of looking at things globally or the the status of you know certain individuals, uh, disenfranchised people, or whether you're experiencing your own hardships and tragedies. Right, it's easy for those things to become that negative influence, and, and you see things through that negativity, and that just burdens you. You carry this weight, and you wonder, man, when am I going to be filled again? And so I think it's important for us to, you know, as we continue this conversation, not just today, but as we continue through this conversation of biblical worldview, for us to consider the important difference between happiness and joy, right? Because you've made yes. that distinction, that, yes. that, that joy you can experience even in the midst of difficulty. Yes. Right. Yes. And so that that kind of fills that void, right? Mm -hmm. If you can have joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, in the midst of challenges in your life, um, man, that emptiness isn't there, right? That's not Correct. the forefront. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, kind of an important thread that will continue through these conversations. Yes. So, um, you know, as we, as we think through kind of what we do in our daily lives and, and biblical worldview. What is it like for you? You're, you're a public school teacher. Yes. Uh, you teach science. Yes. Right? And so, you know, most folks think that science and the Bible, they are mutually exclusive. <laughs> right? That's, that's kind of what you hear, um, that you yeah. either believe in one or the other. I don't necessarily hold to those tenets, but, but that's a common Yes. common theme in our culture that, that there is science or there is the Bible. You, you can't believe both. Um, or that maybe you can mix a little bit into each, but overall they need to be mutually exclusive. So what's it like a guy who, um, you know, you had the, the roots of your faith uh, as a child. You experienced that kind of separation from your faith a bit and then the return and finding the joy and finding the hope. And, and then getting into your career, and I'm sure you know teaching today is different than whenever you started teaching. How long have you been a teacher? This is year 28. 28. All right. You've been a teacher longer than I've been alive. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> but you've been a teacher for a long time. So you've been a teacher for 28 years. I'm sure that 28 years ago when you started, the atmosphere 
in the classroom was different than it is today. Yes. And, and that's probably an interesting topic for us to get into at some point. But what I'm curious about now is just looking at today, what is it like being a teacher of science and also a man that has a biblical worldview? It uh, can be very challenging from time to time. The, I guess one of the, couple of the interesting things is, is that they don't necessarily, as science standards, that we have to teach Darwinism. We don't have to teach. You do or do not? We do not. Okay. And we do not have to teach necessarily that the earth is, you know, millions of years old and all of this. Now, <laughs> So that, that is a that is a that's a good safety valve where I don't have to go down those paths necessarily. Okay. So, but there is a curriculum. Yes. Right, and you are required to teach that curriculum. Yes. And there's probably a standardized test. Yes. That follows the teaching of that curriculum. So, how much of that curriculum and that testing uh, would maybe fall? counter to your biblical worldview. Is there anything that says, hey, you've got to teach this subject matter? Um, and, and, you know, that's your job, right? Yeah. You have the job to teach that curriculum. You've agreed to do that. Uh, but how much of that ever comes up as kind of a, a, a catching point for you where you go, man, th this really isn't, you know, what I believe to be true, but I have to instruct that. Is that something that happens weekly, monthly? Does it happen throughout the year? It will happen occasionally um, because I've been doing this for 28 years. It happened more when I first started teaching than it does today. Today, our present curriculum here um, is more about cells and biology and, and the evolution of cells, but not necessarily the evolution of humans or of animals and macro like evolution that. yeah one species to another yeah we, we we talk a little bit about you know how um how we evolve a little bit you know traits over time but we don't really get into that oh this was a monkey now they're a man right we don't have to that's not part of our curriculum now and if you're getting ready and, and we're trying to prepare kids for the like the act test right um, it, and this really surprises people who are not in the education world, especially non-science teachers. The ACT test is not about knowledge. It's mainly on how to um, read charts and graphs and interpret data coming off of charts and graphs. That's your ACT test. So it's not, it's not about facts that you've memorized. It's about interpreting data. Correct. Okay. And so, Do you think that's a good thing? I, I, to a certain degree, I do because it causes them to th have to think. Okay. And learning, learning processes on, on thought process of seeing this, okay, now I should look at this and now I need to look at that and put yeah. these pieces together. I think those are good things. Now, there are certain facts I wish um, people would know. And here's a fact, and hopefully it doesn't shock you. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, that there is no way that any male on this earth can menstruate. That is not shocking, but it 
But there are people in this society I today. Appreciate you sharing that with us. They fail. <laughs> I mean, seriously. No, yeah. Okay. They must yeah. have failed biology class because, because that's that's a tenant that's carried by some in this world that yeah that, that can happen. And and then there's no way. Right. You know, you you as males, you you have X Y. You just, you know, you really, you really just kind of jumped right into the middle of it on our first podcast. Right? Hey, I mean, you're just like, you know, hey, if you're going to go for it, go. you got to go for it big, yeah, right? Administration. <laughs> that's what, that's what we got into. Subtitle is people Google search this. Coach, coach's corner in that topic. <laughs> um, so you don't find yourself often kind of at a crossroads between your faith and the curriculum, um, but you probably also have an opportunity. Uh, not to force feed your faith to people, but I'm sure those questions come up in the science classroom. I know I asked those questions yeah. as a student of my teachers, and I'm, you could kind of tell the teachers that um, maybe had some influence of church or biblical worldview and others who, you know, would hold that to be kind of a, a story and, and something that helped people get by in, in old times, um, but not hard and fast science. Um, and so I would ask those questions um, you know, I remember human anatomy and physiology when I was mm -hmm. in high school, and that you know we got into you know evolutionary biology the, the, that conversation. Yeah. What was gross about that class was, for some reason, in human anatomy and physiology, you dissect a cat. Yeah. Right. But you die. You don't just dissect a cat on one day. You dissect a cat for a semester. Yeah. You have the you have that that's your cat for the semester and you go layer by layer. Mm -hmm. Um and I just the smell that was awful. But yes, anyway, it is. I digress, right? <laughs> so you probably have the opportunity to answer those questions. Well, what do you believe, right, Mr. Overmiller? What this is what's being taught. What do you believe? Do those questions come up in your classroom? They do from time to time. And I generally will take the stance of showing them both sides of the debate. Right. So if they talk about uh, Dar Darwinism, Darwinism, I can't even speak, Darwinism, isms there. <laughs> I could talk about, okay, this is what they believe. Right. And then I could say and talk about what, um, and there, there's another part of a segment of our society that believes that um, God created man, like so. That's where man came from, from his creation, from the sure. dust of the earth. And 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 Darwin' belief is that they have evolved over a process of time mm -hmm. from a, an ape into a human. Now, so I will present both sides. Then I will tell them. Now, if you want to believe that your ancestors came from an ape, that you're you're prerogative to. Sure, but. For me, my ancestors, my ancestors didn't come from any apes, but I, I kind of leave it there Do so you ever, they, they see it. So one of the things that interests me about, about Darwin, and of course his, his uh, book, The Origin of Species, is that the rest of the title of that book, or the alternate title to that book, makes you think, hey, Charles Darwin was a racist, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, the, it's The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we know that book. Yeah. But the alternate title, and I might butcher this, but I think that I'll probably be close, is um, the origin of species by means of natural selection or um, the preservation of favored races 
by means of natural selection. I think that's how he titled that book. And so when you read that, you go, well, wait a second. Favored races and natural selection weeds out the less favored race mm-hmm. was Darwin a racist, right? And so that, that was not a part of my conversation originally because I never knew that that was kind of the secondary title to that book. But you got to ask that question. Yeah. Right. When you see that title, you got to go, well, wait a second. And look, most people that are quoting Darwinian theory or Darwinian evolution probably haven't even read that book. Right. You're, you're, you're right. It's, it's a it's a it's a staple in the conversation. But people haven't read it. People don't know what he was really saying. Um, it's interesting. I find that in in that book, um, Darwin himself says that the human eye um, with all its rods and spheres and cones um, to to assume that the human eye evolved by means of natural selection is absurd to the highest degree possible. That's a that's a loosely quoted Darwin in the, in that book, and you go, well, wait a second. I think he's racist from the title. I think he also doesn't believe in evolution, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So it's interesting to have those conversations. Um, well, I, he he did fashion himself as to being a Christian of sorts. And he would reference the scriptures quite a bit in, throughout his writings, throughout his career. Yeah. And, and so he wasn't all just, he wasn't necessarily anti-God. He was trying to, in an earthly way, trying to describe how this process could have happened. So would that be like theistic evolution? Like God kind yeah. of put the right ingredients together and stirred the pot and then let's it, see what happened? A, a little bit like that. Okay. But... It all comes down to if if you only have you know, and I can't remember what her name was one one ape, and then they jump it to one man, and that's all their evidence over. And they say we've been here for thousands and millions of years. Surely there should have been some more evidence. Right, the but, missing link. Right, they yeah, call but, it the missing link, well, the piece that there should have been a together. bunch more, and not just linking into humans, but also into one one animal completely changing into a different animal. And I think that's we really... We don't have the, any of that. That's the big discussion, right? The yeah. macroevolution, one species yeah. becoming another. And, and it, it, it's interesting because Darwin's theory was about one species evolving to another species. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the origin of life. Correct. Right? And part, part of the discussion so often today is, well, according to Darwinian theory, the origin of life is this. Darwin didn't cover that to the best of my knowledge, at least in that writing. Um, so anyway, we've got a couple minutes left. I think maybe we should get into one of your your <laughs> notes there on your well, on coach's corner. And I think and, this uh, will, will tie into uh, what we're talking about here. In uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and our pastor taught on this, and I think you did too the other day. But it says, I call upon you, therefore, brothers, through the compassion of Elohim, of God, to present your bodies a living offering, set apart, well-pleasing to Elohim, or well-pleasing to God, your reasonable worship. And here's verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you prove what is that good and well-pleasing and perfect desire of Elohim. You know, as Christians, we're not to be conformed to this world. And so we're spending time talking about 
Darwinism or other things of this world. And the Bible said we're not supposed to be conformed to that. We're not supposed to change our lives for what's going on here. We're in this, this, this cultured society today that's saying, hey, you need to change. You need to agree with all these things. Uh-uh. The scriptures here in verse 2 is telling us, don't be conformed to this world. Don't change to this world, but be changed by the renewing of your mind. See, the battle is in our mind. Mm-hmm. And when you want to be part of cancel culture, you're giving up your thoughts to this cancel culture that's going on. But as a Christian, we're supposed to renew our mind. And how do we renew it? By the washing of the Word of God, by reading the Bible, by knowing the Scriptures, by meditating on them. That's how we refresh and renew our mind so that we're going to be transformed more into the likeness of Christ versus the likeness of this world. Right. And that therein is the battle. That is that that major battle for us as Christians. Yeah, and I think that you know it's easy to slip away from uh, those foundational principles, right, of prayer and of worship and of reading and reflecting God's word, uh, reflecting on God's word, um, because sometimes it seems like oh well that's just the old way of doing yeah. things, right? But I think that it's a way that has worked for mm-hmm. eons, maybe, <laughs> um, and so. Yeah, I think that's the direction that, that we'd like to take as, as we continue this conversation. Um, and what a, what a great scripture to kind of end the time on, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I think that's going to be, you know, one of those threads through this conversation. Yes. What does it mean to renew your mind? Um, what does it mean to have faith in a culture, perhaps it's Western culture more than any, uh, any other, but what does it mean to have a faith in a culture that says faith might be a little bit silly? Yeah. Uh, what does it mean to, you know, walk your everyday life, um, whether it's with coworkers or peers or friends or even family that don't believe the same thing you believe? How do you have that conversation and not end up as enemies? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that as as followers of Christ, uh, we're called to uh, not create enemies. Right. We know that the, the message of Christ won't be popular uh, with many, but we're not. I don't think that we're ever going to shout or argue someone into the kingdom of heaven. No, right? It doesn't Um, work that way. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm excited about us, you know, continuing the conversation. I certainly appreciate, you know, the wealth of knowledge that you're going to bring to it. (laughs) And and just be prepared to have to explain certain things to me (laughs) as we continue. No problem. Um, So any last thoughts for us before we sign off? No, just to let you know that uh, God loves you and we love you. All right. Thanks, Gary. You bet.